Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Thank God for his holy written word. We're talking about the importance of God's word. And when I began this series now, I'd never expected to be on number eight. But if you think about it, we could be on 108. Because we're talking about the importance of the word of God in the life of every believer. And as a matter of fact, our attitude toward the word of God will determine the place that God holds in our lives. And if we have a right mental attitude toward the word of God, he'll hold a high place in our lives. If not, he won't. So just a quick review for those of you that maybe were not here with us for the other uh, lessons. We talked about only the word of God can answer three of life's most important questions. Where did we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? We won't go into that again because we already did. Get the CD. Number two, God's word saves. Look at 1 Peter 1, 23. Notice the word in all these verses. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the what? Word of God, which lives and abides forever. So in other words, to be born again, we need to know what the word of God says. It's the word of God that gives birth to us. Okay, third, in Psalm 107, verse 20, the word heals. He sent his word and did what? Heal them, and then next, delivers, deliver them from their destruction. So the word of God saves, the word of God heals, the word of God delivers from destruction. The next one, it saves the soul of man. Look at James 1, 21, and this is a King James Version. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to what? Save your soul. Now, wait a minute. I thought these were already Christians. They are Christians. But the soul is not the spirit. The spirit's been born again, but the soul needs saved. And really, in the Greek, it it reads like this. To deliver you from your corrupt reasoning faculties. Our reasoning faculties were corrupted in the fall. The spirit was separated from God. The reasoning faculties were corrupted by the enemy. And man lost the knowledge of God. And as a result, of course, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. He starts thinking wrong. And the enemy can control his life. So we need delivered from our corrupt way of thinking or corrupt reasoning faculties. And then the next one, we are told in Psalms 33 verses 8 and 9, God's word created all things. All things in this universe has been created by the spoken word of God. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Why? For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. And every time, if I'm ever by an ocean, and I think about Jeremiah, that tells us that the waters of the ocean do not cross over the sand on the seashore because of a perpetual decree that went forth from the mouth of God. God spoke and said, stop, and it will stop right there. And how about this? Remember in the days of of Joshua, when he spoke to the sun and said, stop, and he spoke to the moon and said, stop, in the valley of Agilon? And the Bible says that they both stopped as a word was spoken. Look at the authority, and it says, never before has this ever happened that God gave heed to the voice of a man as such, so it stopped the whole universe. That's powerful, wouldn't you say? Very powerful. 
Then we talked about everything in this world that we see is also upheld by the word of his power. Scientists want to discover where we came from, why we're here, where we're going, how did the universe come into being, the Big Bang Theory, and about, you know, Darwin's theory of evolution. All these theories means they don't know anything. That's why they theorize, supposition and all that. You realize that? But we are told that all things are upheld by the word of his power. Look at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. All things were created by God's spoken word and all things were upheld by God's word. Who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things, how? By the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So in other words, everything was created by the spoken word. Everything is upheld by the spoken word. So the word of God saves, heals, delivers, sets free, renews the mind, etc., etc., creates all things, upheld, upholds all things, propels all things, catapults all things, keeps things running efficiently and effectively as they are. So if God were to ever say something like, sun, stop, shining, we're in trouble. Or moon, move away a little bit, we're in trouble. Can you see that? See, scientists, they can't see the word under a microscope. That's why they can't discover what brought the world into being. Ask Job what did it. God said to Job, by what cords does the earth hang out there in the universe? Got an answer for that? Because God spoke and God said and that's why. God word, God, last week we talked about God's word also helps prevent sin. Look at um, here in the book of Psalms, 119 verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. You see, where there is no word, there is no law. Where there is no law, there can be no sin. So God had to reveal himself to us, reveal his will to us, reveal his laws, commandments, statutes, and judgments, and ordinances to us. Why? So that we know right from wrong. And he did that. You take the Ten Commandments, you read through the Ten Commandments, and you find out that oh, they were all written to let us know we cannot keep them. But it was a revelation of the will of God, giving to us an understanding of the laws of God, how he expects us to live our lives in relationship to him and one another, right? So what do we have to do? Take the word, hide it in our heart, and say, this is what God said, and live by it. Now we're going to continue in John 8, 31, 32. Actually, we're going to begin at 30, verse 30 through 32. And we're going to talk about God's word is ultimate truth. Anybody here searching for truth? God's word is ultimate truth. And he spake, as he spake, these words, notice this, many believed on him. Do you believe on him this morning? Okay, we believe. But then said Jesus to those Jews, which what? Believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So a believer believes, but a disciple continues in the word. Now the word continue there in the Greek, I have that written for you, is meno. It means to actively follow the word spoken by Jesus. So when we get a hold of what Jesus said, the word spoken by him, we're to actively follow what he said. Pattern our lives after the instructions that he gives us. Look at John's gospel chapter 6 because here were others that believed on him. But you'll see what happened to them when he says something that was hard for them to hear. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this said, this is an hard saying, who can hear it? Then look at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They went from believing to disciples to going back and no more walking with him. Why? They did not continue in the word. They 
didn't continue following the teaching of the word of God. Now, what was it that he said that caused them to walk away and turn back? He said, my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And they could not hear that. There's sometimes in the word of God, there's going to be things said that we don't maybe necessarily like to hear. And we have to make a decision. Am I going to follow it? Or am I going to walk away from it? They couldn't understand that. And because they couldn't understand that, they just left him. And then he went to his disciples and said, will you also leave me? The 12. And Peter said, what? Oh, you've got the words of eternal life. Uh Uh-uh. We're not leaving you. But I want us to see this important truth. We believe on him, and that's wonderful. But a true disciple is one who follows the teaching of his word and continues doing so throughout his life, according to him. Now, what are some of the things that he says to us that might be hard? Well, what about this one? Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those that despise they use and abuse you. And speak well of those who speak evil of you. Fun. Fun, fun, fun. Okay, do good to those who hate you. He said, if you do good to those that love you, what thanks do you have? How hard is that? If you pray for those who pray for you, how hard is that? If you speak well of those that speak well of you, how hard is that? But when someone speaks evil of you, we're told to love them by speaking well of them. Take no account of the evil done to you. Pay no attention to a suffered wrong. Hallelujah and rejoice, right? Mm. When you're persecuted for righteousness sake, what are we supposed to do? Rejoice and be glad. Can you see someone walking through the doors of the church? I am just so ecstatic. I'm so glad, shouting with joy in my heart. Why? Someone just knocked me in the head because I believe in Jesus. (laughs) Or can you see them staggering through the door? Chuck, Chuck, call an ambulance. (laughs) Some out there, you know. (laughs) There's some hard things to hear in the word of God, are there not? What about this one? If you love me, keep my commandments. What about this one? Give of your substance to support the work of God. And many want to shy away from that. Honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of your increase and so on. There are so many things in the word of God that we are told to do that really is to help us characterize the, the life of Christ through our lives. But they're hard hearings. It's hard to hear. They couldn't hear this. So they got upset and walked away. Turned away. Walked away. Okay, my disciple indeed was the first thought. The second thought, you will know the truth. The word for know there in the Greek is gnosko. It's a Greek word that's talking about experiencing the reality of something, experiential reality. Okay, so in the Greek, it's really like this the subject and the object are perfectly united together as one. Now, we use this oftentimes, and bear with me because others are here that never heard it before. This word know for gnosko is the most intimate knowledge you could possibly have. You could be an electrician. You can know about electricity. You could be book smart. You could pass your exams with flying colors and know everything there is to know about electricity intellectually. 
But that's not what that word means. It doesn't mean that you have this understanding, that you have this knowledge. To know it means you stick your fingers in an outlet and your hair, if you have any, goes flying straight up in the air. That's knowing electricity. You see the difference between the two? We could know, no, 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 the word of God. But he's talking about entering into the word of God and experiencing the word of God. Uh, let me just be more clear. You can know everything that's in a medication. I know all about penicillin. I know all about sulfur. I know me too because I'm allergic to both of them. So just to let you know. I know not to be that intimate with them. When I was young, I got penicillin for some infection. All of a sudden, I got blotches all over my body from head to toe. Then a little bit later, they tried something else called sulfur. Another time when I was young. This is before I even became a Christian. And all of a sudden, what happened? Blotches everywhere on my whole body. So now I just write, and when they ask you, what are you allergic to? Sulfur and penicillin. Now, I can know all the ingredients of all the medications in all the world, but that's still not talking about that kind of knowing or knowledge. It's only when you take the medicine and you consume it, it's when you consume it, now you know it. I can know the ingredients of the most perfect pizza you have ever seen. I can know exactly what went into the sauce, and it's all in there. I can know how, you know, they put it all together with some kind of secret recipe. My grandmother had a recipe for sauce that was out of this world. I never knew the full extent of it until one day I saw her cooking the sauce. It's two o'clock in the morning they get up. They start making sauce for the world. It's for the world. There's so much sauce it's unbelievable. And I'm watching her. And I'm telling my, my grandmother's and my mother's sauce was so good you could drink it with a straw. Right? Delicious. And one day I'm watching her and she's cooking and she's stirring the sauce and the ashes of her cigarette fell right into the sauce. <laughs> the secret ingredient. I never knew what it was. I recoiled from that. I had to recover from that. I, I, this was back in the day, you know, when you smoked in your house and all that sort of thing. She would have these long, my, my, she, I won't even go there. Long cigarettes, this long, and the ashes would be that long. Halfway down, I'm thinking, it's going to fall. It's going to fall. Grandma, grandma. Right in. So when they wrote down the uh, recipe for sauce for my mom and, and for, you know, other family members that wanted it, I never saw that written there anywhere. I knew she kept that as the secret ingredient. But my point is, no matter how much you know or have knowledge of the ingredients of what's in the thing, that's not knowing it. Knowing is when you bite into that pizza. Remember the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You've got to taste and see. The word of God is so good, but you've got to taste it. You've got to experience. So that word, ye shall know the truth, is called experienced reality. You actually experience what that word is saying in your life. You don't just quote the scripture, and I know what it says, but you actually experience it and do what it says to do. And that's what he's talking about. You shall know the truth and the truth that you know shall make you free. Which is the third point. Notice this. Well, let, let, wait, wait, let's, let's not skip that far. Look at John's Gospel 18 and verse 38a. You shall know the truth. Here is Jesus before Pilate. And you know the story. He's arrested. And they're calling for his life. The Jews are. Pilate saith unto him, that's Jesus. Notice the question. What? is 
truth. A question everybody wants answered in every generation. What is truth? What is the ultimate reality? Well, he didn't let Jesus answer. It says, and when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. He should have allowed Jesus to answer the question. He would have answered it with John 17, 17. Look at what it says. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is truth. The word of God is the ultimate reality by which everyone should live. Look at John 1.17 to show it exactly as it is. For the law was given by Moses, and we know that, but grace and truth came how? By Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. We could say it this way. The word was made flesh. Truth was made flesh. Grace was made flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. So thank God we know what truth is. Truth is found in the pages of what we call the Holy Bible. That is ultimate truth. It's the ultimate reality that lies at the basis of an appearance. Look at John 6. I'm sorry, John 16 and verse 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all the truth. Whatever it is that's going to govern our lives, and there are many speculations that are out there. People live by a reincarnation. Okay, and they just live by that. Oh, I'm going to come back as of this. I'm going to come back as of that. Yeah, you're going to come back as an ant or a frog or a pig. Something to look forward to, isn't it? They actually believe that this is truth. They're going to float in outer space somewhere while their body's decaying here in the earth. And they're going to come back based on, of course, I guess whatever they do. And they're going to be reincarnated into something else or someone else. That's not the truth. When one dies, it means annihilation. You cease to exist. That is not the truth. The sad part about it, I see a lot of young people leaving here, going off to college and getting messed up so bad. Because you know why? They deviate from the truth. Look, you're an eternal spirit being. And where you spend your eternity is the most important thing. And how you get there is so important. You need to know how to get there. Don't be hoodwinked by all these professors that are out there that have no faith in God, don't believe in God. I'm going to give it to you one more time. A theory? A theory. What's a theory? A supposition based on the ignorance of the subject under discussion. That's why it's called the Big Bang Theory. That's why I call, it's called Darwin's Theory of Evolution. Well, guess what? The Creator came to the earth robed in flesh and walked this earth and said what life, death, and eternity are all about. And he said he's the only way, truth, and life. And the only way to the Father is by him. And then he said, I will prove all my claims that I have ever made on the third day when I rise from the dead. And you see me still alive after killing me. And then when I'm up from the grave, praise God, you can say what you want. I have proven to you that I am the truth. And truth is only found in me. And that's all there is to it. So don't be hoodwinked out there by all the philosophers that are out there. We'll talk about that in a second. But we need, my point is, we need the Spirit to guide us into the truth. You know why? Because we've got all this warring against the soul. All these things going against our mind. Thoughts, imagination, strongholds that come from demonic activities and powers. We've got all these influences of evil that take us into other doctrines of devils, we're told. Doctrines of devils and so on and so forth. All those that I just said, those are doctrines of devils. Made up by him to deceive people into thinking, this is what it's really all about. Can I tell you, I'm meddling. 
Can I tell you the worst one? You ready for it? Religion. Religion is his number one deception. I'm real nice. I go to church and I sit down and I listen. I go through these rituals and all that and, you know, and everything and so on and so forth. I put my time in once a week. I put my time in once a month. I put my time in Easter and Christmas. And I think everything is okay because that's what I do. Because I've been taught. I went through this, 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 and this. I was baptized as a baby. Wrong. That's unacceptable in the sight of God. That's not what water baptism is. You following me? And guess what? There are many people I've talked to that said, oh, I'm okay because I was baptized as a baby. Really? You think that's going to get you into heaven being baptized as a baby? Number one, Jesus was baptized when he was 30. If it took him 30 years to get it, how about you and me? I'm kidding, you know. You can laugh a little. All that is demonic. All that is doctrines of devils to make a person think, I'm good. I've been sitting in this church for 40 years. I'm good. Yeah? You can sit in a pigeon coop for 40 years and not be a pigeon. You can sit 40 years in a garage and never be a car. You can sit 40 years in a church pew and never be a Christian. That is being born again. Are you following me? Right. Doctrines of devils. The Holy Ghost will guide us into all the truth. That's how important it is. He sent the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, to guide us into the truth. Mm -hmm. I can meddle a little bit more. I've been to so many funerals. And I listen to what I hear. And I'm telling you, I am heart sick. Heart sick. These people are hurting out here. These people need to know the truth. They need to hear the truth. Oh, we know so-and-so's in heaven because he's a really good guy. Loved his family. Was a hard worker and all that. How many of you know you can't get to heaven that way? That's not the truth. You cannot make heaven on your own no matter how good you are. That is an impossibility. The truth is you must be born again. Because someone did for you what you could not do for yourself. And that's the bottom line. You could not go to a cross. You could not bear your own sin. You could not enter and descend to the bowels of the earth. I guess you could. But if you did, you stay there for eternity. And not one day closer to getting out after a million years. You're still there suffering. Okay. But someone did for you on the third day. God spoke out of heaven. And he looked down to the very bowels of the earth. And you know what? In the bowels of the earth, you know what he saw? Psalm 88, he saw the wrath, his wrath resting upon his son. And when he finally said, it is enough. He cried out of heaven and said, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. It means to procreate. You know, begotten means to procreate. This day have I begotten thee. And this spake he of the resurrection, Acts 13, of Christ. Can you imagine the whole place shook down there when the voice of the Lord spoke and the Spirit of God descended and the glory of the Lord took the Spirit of the living Christ and raised him up and all the devils couldn't hold him down. None of them could. And then by the eternal spirit he arose, went to the high court of heaven, and he said before the seraphim and the cherubim, when they stopped him, as a man who gives you a right to walk across the threshold of the, of the living God, he said, boy, step back. I got my blood. I'm coming in by the blood that I shed for the redemption of the world. And they stepped back, and he went in, and he took it, and he sprinkled it everywhere. And God the Father accepted his blood, and he obtained eternal redemption for every single one of us. Let me ask you all a question. Can you do that? Yes. 
See, that's the truth. Can you do that? Can anyone else do that? Can Confucius do it? Can Buddha do it? Can uh, Harry Krishna do it? Young Sung Moon, can he do it? Can anyone do it? Who did it? The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, in heaven was said to be the only person in heaven, earth, or beneath the earth to take the book and loose the seals thereof. Because he's the worthy lamb who shed his blood for the redemption of the world. No one else can do it. And guess what? He did it for every kindred, tongue, people, and nation of the world. So it's not just exclusive to us. It's to the whole world. For God so loved the world. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? You can't do it for yourself. You can't make heaven for yourself. Okay. Now. Shall make you free is our third statement. Point three. Look at 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. Truth and freedom go hand in hand. And they come by continuing in the word. Who will have all men, this is speaking of God, who will have all men to be saved and. Are you a saved person? Are you a saved and person? You're really excited this morning. You're sitting there thinking, what's a saved and person? Are you saved? Are you a saved and person? See, the person that's saved is great. But the saved and, he's coming to the knowledge of the truth. The word knowledge there is from the form of that Greek word gnosko. It's called epigonosko. And once again, he wants all men to be saved and to enter into the reality of what the truth is. So the truth, in other words, is consuming us. We've been born again. We have a relationship with God. But we cannot live or walk the way God wants us to live or walk until we get our minds renewed to the word of God. So we've been saved and now it's time to renew our minds. That's why when people say, no, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm saved. Okay, are, do, do, do you, are you continuing in the word? Oh, I read the Bible. I had someone tell me, I've forgot more of the Bible than you'll ever learn. I don't have to pick up that book anymore. I said, well, then stop eating. Stop eating. Why? You've had food before. Haven't you? Well, stop eating. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by a few words that God speaks. By what? What does a man live by? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of Almighty God. That's what we live by. Every word, not the ones we like. I like this one. I like that one. And I'm going to major in this and that. That one, ooh. I don't know about that. Don't want to follow that. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Liberty comes by knowing the truth. When we know the truth, then we can walk in the truth. And we'll be free from a lot of things. Now, under point B there, the ultimate freedom is freedom from deception. I take you back to the Garden of Eden. And it was deception that caused the chaos that we're living in today. Was it not? Isn't that what happened? And if she would have been free from deception, liberated from deception, and how could she have been free from deception? When the serpent said to her, look in that tree, and look, it's, it's a wonderful tree to make you wise. It's going to give you something that God's holding back from you. It's going to add to whatever it is that you have. She's in the garden. She has everything the garden offers. I'm telling you tree upon tree, fruit upon fruit. I'm talking about anything and everything. She's got the perfect husband because God created him for her. She's the perfect wife because she came forth from the side of man 
and perfect in every way for him. So she came out from him or out of him. So they're perfect. They got the perfect environment, the perfect position in all the universe. What a profession. Just watch over my garden. Keep everything evil that is out. See that one little tree over there? Don't touch it lest you die. And what is she told? He's not telling you the truth. If you, 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 you touch that, look, look, look at that. Look at that. I'm going to make you wise. He knows you're going to have so much more than what you have right now if you just touch that. And what does she do? She touches it. What should she have said? That's not the truth. That's not the truth. You see, the truth is God said, if I touch that, I die. So get thee behind me, Satan, and let me go. I'm not going to fall victim to your deceptive thoughts. So when it comes to temptation, look at James chapter 1. When it comes to temptation, this is verse 13. These people were deceived and they were in error. They thought God was the cause of their problems. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God, tempts, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man, every man is tempted when? When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. Sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Do not what? Error means be deceived, brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no verimus, neither shadow of turning. And why is he making that very clear? Because these people that were scattered abroad, they were scattered abroad because of temptation, because of all kinds of, of persecution and affliction they were encountering. And as a result, they were blaming God for everything that they were going through in their lives. And they were upset about it. And they were mad about it. And that's why he said, look, the wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. So stop thinking that and stop talking like that. See, if we didn't have that section of scripture, we wouldn't know this. We would think that God's behind our situation. God is one that's behind what I'm going through. The affliction, the persecution, the trial, the this, the that. He said, don't let any man even say that. Why? Because every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variableness, not even a shadow of turning. Look, our God is a sun and shield who gives off grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. So God is not the one that's withholding. Like the sun with its rays, the sun is doing its thing up there in the sky. It put a cloud, there's a cloudy day. Does that mean that the sun is not shining? Does that mean the sun's not doing its thing? Absolutely not. It's still shining up there, isn't it? It's just clouds get in the way. So don't let a man say that God is the one that's withholding or God is the one that's causing the problem. He said, look, don't be in error, my beloved brethren. These perfect gifts come from above. Next, uh, false doctrines. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. We're talking about liberty, being liberated from false doctrines from, by the truth. So you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. When here he's talking about the fivefold ministry and it's designed to help people grow and develop in Christ. That we henceforth... Be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind. Of, notice this, wind of doctrine. These are high winds causing people to vacillate, to go back and forth, to and fro. I believe this, I don't believe this. Back and forth and back and forth. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to do what? To do what? Deceive. Like I said, people who think they're saved because they go to church are deceived into thinking that's all they have to do to be saved. Jesus said, you want me? You want me? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Is that what he said? We live in a day of say it and that's it and you're saved. And I believe that if you meant it from your heart. But can I say this? If you meant that from your heart and Jesus came into your heart, 
you will be a different person. You will change from the inside out. There'll be a marked difference in your behavior, your conduct, your character, your attitude, the way you live your life, etc., etc. Can you say amen? Next one, human philosophies. We need to deliver from human philosophies. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Look in the book of Colossians chapter 2. And extremely important here. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man do what? Spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, or deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. You know, there are those that are out there cutting themselves, doing all kind of craziness, thinking that this is what I have to do to be saved. If you go back in the day, and way back when, when they did this as a practice, there were those that would actually drink the blood of a lion. Why? To gain the courage of a lion. If there was a mighty warrior who demonstrated, super, say, some kind of great strength, they would drink that person's blood. Why? So that they would gain the strength that he had. Think about that. Cannibalism is the same way. They want to have greater power in their lives so they find someone who's powerful yee, and it's lunch are you following that what are they doing drinking the blood eating the flesh of someone who they believe is superior what did Jesus say eat my flesh and drink my blood they couldn't comprehend that you know where power is at? Power beyond human scope. Not in that of a lion, but the lion of Juba. Tribe of Judah. My flesh is meat indeed. He's talking about eating the word. Getting the word, eating it. Learning the blood covenant and drinking it. Filling yourself up with the fullness of the spirit of almighty God and the glory of God inside you. Praise God. And you'll have power beyond human scope. Hallelujah. I'm preaching me happy. I don't know about you, but I'm preaching me happy. De delivered from the traditions of men. Look at Mark 7 verse 13. Traditions of men. Making the word of God of none effect by, through your tradition which you have delivered and many such like things do ye. So ultimate freedom is being delivered from deception. And only truth can deliver us from deception. And the enemy will use doctrines of devils. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 to doctrines of devils to deceive people into thinking that all is well with my soul when your soul is really set on fire because you don't even know the truth only God can provide truth now I just added this I wanted to conclude with this because I, I, I believe it's so important these are about life's priorities as revealed to us in scripture and as we just quickly go through some of these um, just receive them as they're being stated our life is a period of time taken from eternity in which we are to determine our eternal destination. Where we spend our etern eternal de destination is going to be based on our belief system. But a life is not measured by the duration of the life. It's not, in other words, not how long you live on earth, but by the donation and the deposits that you make in certain areas of your life. Number one priority, our relationship with God, our devotion to God is number one one priority look in Luke's gospel and what it says in chapter 10 verse 27 and he answering said thou shalt love 
the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You know what? Um, let me just qualify that. You know what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Go to church two times a year. Read your Bible once a month. Um, let me tell you what it means. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Find out what I said pleases me and do it. To love God with all your heart means give him your heart to be born again. Your soul means renew your mind to the word of God so you can think the thoughts of God so that will govern your life. Your mind means make right choices and decisions in your life that will honor him. And then your, your strength is your flesh. Dedicate your body to the service of Almighty God. And that means beat it up if you have to. Crucify it if you have to. But whatever it is, dedicated to God, which is our spiritual responsibility and duty, is it not? That's what he's talking about. Okay, number two. This is our first priority is your devotion to God. And there's so much more to say about that. But secondly, our spouse in Ephesians chapter 5. When Paul talked about submission to one another in the fear of God, you're first of all submitting to God. Look what he says. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so that wives be, be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water. How? By the word. So we see we have instructional teaching given to us First and number one priority is your devotion to God. Second, your devotion to your spouse. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should, but that should be holy without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own flesh or bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself, for no man yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord of the church. Okay, so here we have instructional teaching. Number one priority, God. Number two, Spouse, number three, children. Look at Proverbs 22 and verse six. Top priorities. So in other words, these are not to be ignored in our lives. Number th three, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So there's an investment that is made, a donation that is made in your walk with God, with your spouse, and now with children. Your children are to be taught of the Lord. And Deuteronomy chapter 6 makes it very clear. Talk about the word when you rise up, when you lie down, when you sit in your house, when you go by the way. Talk about the word. It be instructional when you're teaching of the word. Okay, number four, our job or career. And, and once again, I put this only above the church only because a man does, that doesn't work shouldn't eat. Your devotion to God is number one. Notice that's number one. But you have a relationship with the church as well, but we're going to get to that in a moment. But here is your job. And remember, Adam and Eve had a job in the garden, didn't they? They sure did. Okay, our job or our career. Now look at the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Here's instructional teaching once again. Servants, or if you're the employer, or an employee, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. Notice we're talking about some hard things in our lives. If you work anywhere in a place and you find yourself discouraged and, and you're to a place to where you don't want to put forth any effort. You're upset with your, let's say your boss, your employer, etc. Let these sink into your ears. 
with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service or men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Now that's talking to an employee. Don't, you'll be tempted to say some things you shouldn't say, do some things you shouldn't do, have attitudes you shouldn't have. You're not working for that man or that woman. You're working for Jesus. And it should reflect in the way you conduct yourself in the, on that job. You know, I did this before I became a Christian. I, I mean that. Before I became a Christian, I worked hard for my employer. I, don't, I just did it. Everybody else complained about my working so hard and so fast and so much. I was doing mo a lot more than other people were doing. You know, and I figured out why later because I was young. I was really a young whippersnapper at that time. I really was. Uh, I'm, I'm, I was making these lids. I had, to put, I had to rivet the handles on the lids, okay, in, the, in this plant. I broke the record. I challenged myself all the time. I mean, I'm like, I got in this rhythm. I'm just, I'm putting them out, man. Putting them out. I'm in school. You know, I'm, 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 I just, I'm just making some money on the side. Putting myself through school. I'm making these things, making these things, making these things. All of a sudden, these guys come, they come walking over, spitting. Oh, that's polite when I say that. Okay, spitting. I can add some adjectives to that. All the stuff that I have to, and then when I pull one out and it's just a string that long, and you, you get the idea. Um, and I'm, you think I slowed me down? I just, I just kept right on going. Doom, doom, doom. Finally, one of the old, old timers came up to me and said, do you know what you're doing? Working? On lunch break? Uh-uh. You're making us look bad. We know how to slow down production so we can get overtime, and you are blowing it for us. I didn't know that. So the next day, kept working. I don't, I, I have to break my record. If I did 100 yesterday, I got to do 110 today. That's just how I worked. And I, I didn't let that bother me. And that's what they wanted me to do. I realized that with what they were doing now. Because he said, I was working to help someone else succeed. Working to help that plant succeed. You know, and they were slowing down the process. Why? Because they wanted to do overtime and basically drain the company. Oh, let's not even go there. Number five, our church. Hebrews 10.25. Hebrews 10.25. Now it comes, you know, you got to work to eat, so you got to work hard. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting or encouraging one another, and so much the less as you see the day. Huh? What did I say? Oh, so much the more. Okay, so you better add Christmas. You got Easter. What should we add to that? Well, we got Halloween coming up. That's a good time to be there. Ward off all the evil spirits. What's he talking about? This should be a part of our lives. Church should be a part of our lives. And all the more that we know he's coming soon. Okay, real quick. What's the next one? Our citizenship, Romans 13, talks about, look at this. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. For there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. That's powerful. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? 
do that which is good and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he that is, he is the minister of God, that's the government, to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only to wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay we tribute also, for they are God's ministers. Attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom is due. Fear to whom fear is due. And honor to whom honor is due. So we, we, we understand that what it's talking about is the government's been set up. Why? Not to destroy, but to persecute those that are evil and to promote those that are good and protect those that are good. And then our body, look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, taking care of our flesh, our body. But refuse profane old wise fables and exercise yourself rather than godless for bodily exercise profits little, which means for a little while. Not that it's little, it means for a little time. In other words, while you're living in your body, get on the treadmill. While you're living in your body, take a mile walk. While you're living in your body, it'll do you good to exercise and eat right, etc., etc. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. So these are priorities. And the last one, material stewardship. Look at Proverbs. We talked about this earlier. 3, 9, and 10. You can see it now. Honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of your increase, all your increase. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses burst out with new wine. So these are priorities revealed where? In the word of God for us to do what? Follow continually. Set up, in, 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 other words, uh, in other words, a time that you're going to be practicing, studying the word of God. Go over these things so that we can see to it that we align ourselves with the teaching of God's word. And let's close with this wonderful verse of scripture. If anything that stays with you, let it be this one verse. It is so powerful. Only God's word can provide for us what we need to know to live our lives and conduct the way we live, the way God wants us to. But look at this verse. Why call ye me Lord, Lord? Is he your Lord? Have you gone home? Are you still here? Is he your Lord? Yes. Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You understand what he's saying here? When a Lord speaks, you do it or die. You realize that? Go back to the days of the kings. If they're a king... And you say, and the, and the king says, I want you to do this. And you go, I, I don't think I want to do that. You're, you're done. You're dead. So he's saying, why are you calling me Lord and you're not doing what I say to do? That's introduction to next week's message. Because he went on to say, a wise man will do my word. A foolish man won't. Let's all stand together before the Lord.